going to share with you uh, a message that the Lord has given me, um, but we're going to stand together and uh, uh, let us, let's just open with prayer and just ask God to be here today and to bless and to anoint and to strengthen. And I know the children are ready for uh, worship time to do their drama and they're excited and that message there is going to come forth as well. Let's just ask God to be here with us today. Jesus, we thank you for this opportunity to know your word, to love you, to worship you, to experience your hope. Lord, we thank you, Lord Jesus, that you came and you were born in a manger, that you lived and died and rose again to bring new life. And we praise you, Lord, for the opportunity to worship you in spirit and in truth and to experience the new birth. And we pray all of these things in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said amen. amen. You can go ahead and be seated. I, I would ask you to open your Bibles with me if you have them, and you can remain seated. I know typically we stand for the reading, but today you can go ahead and remain seated. But I want to take you to Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, and also to Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 and 7. And while you're opening your Bibles and turning there to Isaiah, I, I want to mentions something that Jesus said. It's recorded in Luke 19.44, and Jesus said these words at the end of that verse. He said, because you knew not the time of your visitation. In other words, they missed him because they did not know what time it was. You ever missed an appointment? You ever, oh, that's today. How about a test? Anybody ever, you know, Wake up and you're like, whoa, I forgot to study for the test, right? Okay, well, those things, you know, you can, you can make up the difference on those, but Israel missed the time of her visitation, and so I want to draw your attention to that, but let's read Isaiah 7, verse 14. Therefore the Lord Himself shall give you a sign, behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call His name Emmanuel. And we know that that name means God with us. Let's also read Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 and 7. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace there shall be no end. Upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. And for just a few minutes today during First Word, I want to teach and preach, so kind of merge that together, and I like to call that treaching. I want to treach on this subject today. Don't miss Christmas. Amen. Don't miss Christmas. Did you know people miss Christmas every year? Every year. Oh yeah, I know there's decorations. I know, uh, you know there's carols being sung and stores and commercials and all of this reminding us of the season. But yeah, people miss Christmas every year. People observe the season because our culture tells them to. To buy and to buy a bunch and to put it on credit and buy more. <laughs> and the masses though are oblivious to the reality of what they're celebrating. Fantasy, myth, legend, 
all surround Christmas. So much that people become numb to the real miracle of the birth of Christ. Interviews with the masses have produced a myriad of opinions as to the real meaning of Christmas. Just listen to a few of these opinions for a moment. It's a sentimental time spent with family and friends. I mean, I would agree to some extent. Yeah, it can be that. A time for goodwill and peace towards others. Well, I would hope that we would do that year-round, but okay, sure. A time for children. Well, I like Christmas, and I'm not a child anymore. A time to celebrate love for your fellow man. Again, like the concept, but shouldn't we do that yearly? Um, A time to celebrate the spirit of giving. Well, believers do that all the time. We give our tithe and offering to the Lord faithfully. We help others all year long, right? This one was a little weird. A time to party and get drunk. Not for me. But yet, few, if any, mention the birth of Jesus Christ. They'll mention Santa Claus. They'll mention elves and reindeer. They'll mention all the other trappings that go with it. But few, if any, will say, oh, yes, the birth of Jesus Christ. Some are afraid of political correctness. Maybe they're ashamed of Christ. I don't know. Maybe some of them don't really know the true meaning of Christmas. The other day, I noticed that Shields has come out with two very strong commercials honoring Christ and Christmas. I was like, wow, go Shields. I'll shop there. Hy-Vee, I was there the other day getting eggs, and I was walking down, and I mean huge letters across the front. Merry Christmas. I'm like, good. And the reason I say good is because some people are too afraid of season's greetings or happy holidays. And then, okay, if that's what you say, I'm fine with that, you know, but come on, it's about Jesus. So what a mess Christmas is. And tragically, too many are missing it. But this is really nothing new. It's been missed for a long time. Did you know the innkeeper missed Christmas? Luke chapter 2 records, Joseph went up from Galilee, uh, verse 4, out of the city of Nazareth into Judea, under the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house of the lineage of David, to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. We don't know this innkeeper's name, but we know he missed Christmas. We know that Jesus' birth was lonely. There were no midwives to help Mary, no assistance for her whatsoever. It was just her and her betrothed, Joseph, and possibly a few animals. No broadcasts being made, no special media outlet covering it like they do with NORAD covering Santa's arrival. No, no fanfare. Just born in a lowly manger. I'll never forget years ago in a Christmas drama. I didn't, wasn't there, but I read about it. A young boy named Joey was playing the part of the innkeeper. And over and over he had practiced his one and only line for the whole play. He was to open the door and say, I'm sorry, we don't have any room. You can use the manger and shut the door. 
Finally, the day came for the drama and to be presented, and everything was going smoothly and you know, seamlessly and to the delight of the director and the parents and all who had helped. It was a beautiful presentation, and Joey's part came, and he opened the door and boldly proclaimed, I'm sorry, we don't have any room. You can use the manger, and he shut the door, but as quickly as he shut it, he opened it back, and with tears in his eyes, he said, no, come back, you can have my bed. heartfelt story of, of Joey and how it affected the drama that day and the people that were there. But nothing like that happened to the innkeeper. He didn't say to his wife, hey, honey, we've got a pregnant woman here. Uh, surely we can use our room. Surely our daughter can give up her bed for the night. We, we've got to get her in a warm place. We've got to get, you know, that didn't happen. He missed Christmas. I don't know. Maybe he thought they were too poor to afford a room. Maybe he was frustrated at all the people coming in because the emperor had declared a census. Maybe he was filled with hatred or prejudice. I don't know. The scripture doesn't tell us. But for whatever reason, he missed Christmas for a moment. I wonder what would be different if he would have said something like Joey. Oh, no, you can have my room. But it didn't happen. Herod missed Christmas. Matthew 2, 1 through 12 relays the story of Herod. Now Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king. Behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. And when Herod saw, excuse me, when Herod the king heard these things, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. And they said unto him in Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, And thou, Bethlehem, in the land of Judea, art thou not the least among the princes of Judah? For out of these shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had privately called the wise men, inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. And, they, and he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search diligently for the young child, and when you have found him, bring me word again that I may come to worship him also. And when they heard the king, they departed, and lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And when they were come into the house, they saw the young child with his mother Mary and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And they, being warned of God and dreamed that they should not return to Herod, they departed into their own country another way. Now the innkeeper, we can safely assume, was uninformed and ignorant. And I use that term in its truest sense. I, I, I don't think he really knew the meaning, the purpose, the event, I think he had not, he had skipped synagogue long enough and wasn't a part of that, you know, uh, genre anymore to where he did not really know. So, and not that I'm giving him a free pass, I'm just saying, I, I think he was truly uninformed and ignorant about the holiday, about the purpose of the birth of Christ. Herod, though, was well informed and arrogant, and he was troubled. It troubled him. And the Bible says all of Jerusalem. Why did it trouble them that their king had come? That baffles me. Aren't you looking for your king? Aren't you desiring this? Isn't this what the prophecies have been about? By the way, there's about 400 of them. <laughs> and yet they're troubled? Hey, listen, when he comes back the second time, I'm not going to be troubled. 
I'm not going to be going, oh, it could happen today. Oh, man. Are you nuts? (laughs) Come on. When he's coming back, I'll be like, bring it on. Let's go, Jesus. I ain't going to be troubled. But many today are like Herod. They see Jesus Christ as a threat to them and their lifestyle. They guard their justification and actions at all costs. For, for a lot, Christmas is just a paid day off, but nothing more. Like Herod, they're fearful or jealous towards anything to do with the true meaning of Christmas. Because of this, they miss out on the genuine love and hope and peace and joy that Jesus Christ offers. They miss Christmas more than just one day a year. And the religious leaders are another group that miss Christmas. And we just read about them in Matthew there, so I won't reread all of that. But they knew the prophecies. When, when Herod brings them in, they're like, oh yeah, uh, he's going to be born in Bethlehem of Judea. And, you know, uh, they quoted Micah. They quoted all these past. They knew the prophecies. And yet they miss Christmas. They knew what was written. They would declare it. They would read it. They would study it. They would teach it. And since the prophecies going all the way back to including Genesis 3.15, the very first messianic prophecy, they would know all of them. And yet, they miss Christmas because of one word, indifference. You see, the innkeeper could claim ignorance. Herod was afraid, but the religious leaders just didn't care. They had facts, but they lacked faith. They they had a religion, but not a relationship. They knew the prophecies, but were power hungry. They had a problem and weren't willing to admit it. You see, they wanted God on their terms. I'll serve Him if He does ABC. They wanted a ruler, a warrior, not a humble servant born in a manger. Not from Nazareth. Oh, God forbid. Because of this, the religious leaders missed Christmas. But, but that's not all. The inhabitants of Bethlehem and Jerusalem missed Christmas. All the hubbub and the, and the bustle of, of all that was going on with the census. They were more concerned with all of that and their religious festivals than they were with the prophecy being fulfilled. The Roman emperor missed Christmas. Think about this. In a territory in which they claimed and had conquered, God chose to robe Himself in flesh. They could have broadcast that. We Romans own Jerusalem and God is born there. They could have declared it and acted as if they were somehow part of it. And, you know, just like the news media today, you know, change the narrative and flip the script and make it about them. But they didn't. They missed it. Caesar Augustus is mentioned one time in the Bible. But he feels annals of Roman history. (laughs) If only they realized how unimportant he was. And how relevant and true Christ is. You see, they missed Christmas because of paganism and ritualism and mysticism. But no one has to miss Christmas. You 
You need to learn. And so, you don't need to have ignorant preoccupation like the innkeeper or jealous fear like Herod or prideful indifference like the religious leaders or religious hustle and bustle like those in Jerusalem or false gods of the Romans or contemptuous familiarity of like that in Nazareth. All of these become different expressions of one main reason that people miss Christmas every year and it's disbelief. It's the same thing that happened with Noah. It's going to rain. Yeah, right, sure, Noah. Water's never come out of the sky. But it did. Maybe they got to a place where, oh yeah, sure, sure, right, a Messiah is coming. Mm -hmm. We've heard that before, Rabbi. Mm -hmm. Preach another message to me. Sure, he's coming. Yeah, got it. Meanwhile, I'm, I'm overpaying taxes to the Romans. Great disbelief and yet we still see the same thing over and over today however let's turn the coin over for a minute because there were some who didn't miss christmas joseph and mary were the first two i won't read all of this but uh, well maybe i will who knows is that all right if i read it the bible is good isn't it okay Luke chapter 1, verse 26. And in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God into a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail thou that art highly favored, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son, and shall call his name Jesus. He shall be great, and he shall become the son, or shall be called the son of the highest. And the Lord shall give unto him the throne of his father David, and he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. He's quoting Isaiah, by the way, which we read at the beginning here. Then said Mary unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest, and shall overshadow thee. Therefore, also that holy thing which is born in thee shall be called the Son of God. And behold, thy cousin Elizabeth, she hath conceived a son in her old age, and this is the sixth month with her, who was called barren. Fear, for with God nothing shall be impossible. And Mary said, Behold, the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. Now, real quickly, I need to read about Joseph because then I'll talk about him, okay? So Matthew 1, here, here's Joseph's side of the story. So we got Mary's side. Let's take a look at Joseph's side. Matthew 1.18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise when as his mother was espoused to Joseph before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her uh, husband, being a just man, not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privately. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son. They shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Then Joseph, being raised from the sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him, and took unto him his wife, and knew her not until she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name 
Jesus. So Mary and Joseph didn't miss Christmas. And you see, Mary was engaged or betrothed to Joseph. And this has a completely different meaning in Eastern culture than it does in Western culture, even Christian Western culture. You see, in the East, in Israel, this betrothal period is a 12-month period. It's legally binding. Once you're betrothed, you're legally bound to each other. She actually takes his name at that point. Uh, they will still live in separate homes because they will not consummate the marriage physically until the marriage supper takes place. And if either partner is unfaithful or problems surface, this 12-month period allows for resolution for those problems as well as training before their marriage is consummated. We try to replicate that to some extent by those who become engaged. We offer them. In fact, our church has many efforts to do so. We have Symbus, which is save your marriage before it starts. And we help couples go through this and work with them. And we have other processes in which we try to give them premarital counseling. So that's why the 12-month period would last. But notice Mary's pregnancy comes during this time. So you can imagine her concern. What are people going to think? After about um, you know, a few short weeks here into the you know, second trimester, she's not going to be able to hide it anymore. Yet for all the possible scenarios that we could assume, Scripture gives us clarity regarding how and what happened. She's visited by Gabriel. He speaks a word to her. She listens to his announcement. Upon being told she's going to conceive and bear a child, she asks a very valid question. Um, I haven't known a man. How's this going to happen? You know, in other words, she knew how biology worked. But she realized, um, I haven't been with Joseph. I'm not going to be with Joseph until we're legally married, and I haven't been with any other man. So how am I going to become pregnant? The angel answers her question. Then he tells her that her cousin Elizabeth, who was barren, is now six months along. This boosts her faith, and she ends her statement to the angel by saying, then let it be to me according to your word. She went from how can this be to let it be. <laughs> you see, we can all learn from this type of faith. When God tells us something, it's okay to ask, how can it be? But once God answers, we need to say, well, okay, then let it be. People say, well, how can you speak in tongues? And how does that happen? Well, the Spirit gives utterance. He, he takes control and He speaks through you. Once it's explained, then let it be to me. I want it. Amen. Once baptism is explained, you go under the water, you come up, your sins are remitted. They're, they're washed away in the blood of the Lamb. Okay, let it be to me according to your word. Amen. But here's the problem. We want bona fide proof. We want certifiable evidence. But God wants us to utter such a faith-filled statement. Let it be to me. The simplicity of Mary's faith is remarkable. Especially given the circumstances. And then she just simply says, I am the handmaid of the Lord. I am the servant of the Lord. Her character is meek, modest, Submitted. But notice what she doesn't 
ask for. She doesn't say, hey, can you make sure to tell this to Joseph because I don't know if he's going to believe me or not. She just trusts that if God has given her a word, he'll do the same for her husband. She doesn't ask uh, for anything else. Okay, let it be. You've given me a word, I accept it. She simply trusted that God could miraculously cause her to bring forth a child. God said it. That settled it. Mary chose to believe it. Now you've probably heard that phrase this way. God said it, I believe it, that settles it. Let me tell you, whether you believe it or not, if God said it, that settles it. And in this case, God said it. Amen. It was settled, and Mary believed it. I want that kind of faith. No fear. No demand for more understanding. Just instant submission. Instant obedience to God's Word. Okay, God said it. I'm going to do it. Amen. Joseph, let's, let's talk about him for a minute. He didn't miss Christmas. He's a hard worker. He's a blue-collar worker. He was a righteous man. The Bible calls him a just man. Can I tell the men for a minute, don't be just a man, be a just man? Amen. We need some just men to rise up today and, and, and be godly men who love and lead their families. And yet, still, he was still a man. He knew the law. He knew the customs. And when he finds out Mary is pregnant, I imagine for a moment he's like, okay, an angel visited you. Right. And God's going to make you pregnant. Okay. Hmm. You sure? <laughs> I mean, he had a choice to make, but because he's a just man, the Bible says he was willing to put her away privately. By the law, he could have brought her to the council. He could have convened the elders and said, she's pregnant, I didn't sleep with her, judge between us who is right. But he didn't do that. He was willing to separate privately. By the way, if she would have been convicted, you get stoned for adultery. Which means not only would she have died, but the child in her womb would have died. So let me say this. We talk about Mary a lot this time of year. But God took careful uh, a detail to pick the right Mary because he, she had to be betrothed to the right Joseph. There might have been other women who had faith, but maybe their betrothed wasn't such a just man. And so God had to be careful to pick both. Can I tell you, amen, we need both when it comes to that situation. We need both in a marriage to come together and trust and love the Lord. And so in the same night in which he's made up his mind to put her away privately, he has a dream. And the angel visits him and tells him the same thing that he tells Mary. And Joseph awakes from the dream. He completes the betrothal period. He waits till the official wedding ceremony is over and the child is born. And then they have other children. He names him Jesus according to what uh, the angel tells him to do. He didn't fleece the Lord. He didn't ask for three more witnesses. He didn't ask for two more dreams. God said it. That settles it. I'm going to choose to believe it. And again, no scriptural evidence or proof that they were concerned with what others would think. 
Now, we can assume that. We can interject that into the story. And, and if you're you know, like uh, Dallas Jenkins and you're writing The Chosen and you want to put that into your story, you, know, you can exercise that you know, a creative liberty if you want to. But, but there, there's no Bible evidence that says that they questioned how are people going to look at this. God said it. That settles it. I'm just going to believe it. And Joseph and Mary didn't miss Christmas. I love the song, Mary, Did You Know? But most all of you have probably seen the memes and the jokes. You know, yes, she did. Just read the Bible. You know, I, I do like that song. It, it's a neat song. But she did know. She knew all along. She knew up until he hung on the cross. She knew up until he rose from the grave. Here's something neat about Mary. She's the only person that gets to carry Jesus twice. She carried him to turn from nine months and then she was one of the 120 filled with the Spirit in the upper room. What a unique woman. I can't wait to meet her in heaven. Man, that's going to be cool. <laughs> the shepherds didn't miss Christmas. Luke 2, verse 7. She brought forth her birth, firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over the flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon, uh, upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you this day is born in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you, you shall find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger." And suddenly there was an aim with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And it came to pass as the angels were gone away from them into the heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with haste. I love that. They ran. They, they, they got there fast. Found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad. What did they see? I'm going to get to that in a minute. When they seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them. Notice it doesn't say when they saw the child. Okay, although they did, it, you know, everything was told them concerning the child. You, you see that at the end of the verse, but they saw something that, that connected with him. And, and verse 18, and all that heard it, not heard about the child, heard it, wondered about those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things he had, they had heard and seen as it was told unto them. These shepherds were of the tribe of Levi. They were Levitical shepherds. Their purpose was to raise lambs for sacrifice. Hmm. This is interesting because when they would, that lamb would be born... They would inspect it, and if it was flawless, no blemishes, they would wrap that lamb in swaddling clothes and lay it in a manger. Notice, when they come to see Jesus, they see Him wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. When they see this, they realize, whoa, this is the Lamb of God. This is the one. 
Not only did they see the birth, not only did they experience that moment of joy and see the child, and no doubt if Mary let them hold the baby, and, 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 but they realized this is unique. He has come! No wonder a few years later, John could say, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Hallelujah. Praise God. These Levitical shepherds were the first to see the Lamb of God wrapped in swaddling clothes, the real gift of Christmas. The wise men didn't miss Christmas. I read about them a little bit earlier, so I won't reread that from Matthew. But they didn't miss Christmas. In fact, it's possible they may have sought for Him, for Christ, the birth, the experience, for up to three or four years. They come from the east. Well, if you go east of, of Jerusalem, you go east of Bethlehem, you're going to go into more of the Middle East. It's possible they may have come from Babylon. It's possible that they might have known people connected to a certain Daniel and Shadrach and a Meshach and an Abednego who might have told them a Redeemer is coming. Amen. But I love these wise men. They don't come to get something. They came to give something. Now I know our children that are about to put on this drama, they're looking forward to Christmas because they want to get. I get that, I understand it. I was a kid and I, you know, I still get crazy about Christmas and, and love it and I'm looking around and is there something for me and what is it, okay? But they came to give. Oh, that we would be like the wise men and seek Him in order to give Him something rather than to seek Him to get something. They didn't miss Christmas. Well, perhaps you're here today, and perhaps you have missed Christmas. Oh, yeah, you might get presents. You might eat a good meal with family. You might even decorate a tree if you want. You might give to a, a needy family at a shelter or support a, a cause that does. But you know in your heart that you may be no different than some of these who missed both the reality and the reason for Christmas. But I want to tell you this morning, you don't have to miss Christmas anymore. You know why Jesus Christ came? I read it earlier. I'll read it again, just one verse this time. Matthew 1.21. She shall bring forth a son. Thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sin. He didn't come but for one reason, to save his people from their sins. You may have already have all your shopping done this year. If you do, good. I don't. <laughs> you may be anticipating that gift that you told someone about. Maybe your children are Hoping and praying and seeking. <laughs> but did you know the real gift of Christmas didn't come wrapped under a tree? Came wrapped in swaddling clothes. It was laid in a manger. 
You don't have to miss Christmas again. You can be born again and experience Christmas every day of your life. Because the real gift of Christmas isn't under a tree. The real gift of Christmas hung and died on a tree. So that you could be saved from sin. So don't miss your opportunity for the gift of eternal life. Oh yeah, Christmas is about lights. Because Jesus Christ is the light of the world. And he tells us that the church, you, are the light of the world. So yeah, it's about lights. Yes, Christmas is about presence. The presence of God. Yes, Christmas is about family. Because when you're born again, you're born into the family of God, which is eternal. I know most of you today, many of you may have come because of the drama. Maybe you have a, a, a niece, nephew, a child, grandchild, whatever that's going to be here today. And we are going to have a good time. And our kids are going to do a great job. In fact, spoiler alert, there's a couple of big kids in the play today. You'll see what that's all about in a little bit. But maybe, just maybe, somebody today came that doesn't want to miss Christmas ever again. And if that's you... I don't want you to leave here today without that most precious gift. You can repent. You can be filled with the Holy Spirit. I know the light's off in the baptismal, but we can easily turn it on and baptize you if you'd like. We have towels. We have robes. And Jesus will wash away your sins. And you'll never have to miss Christmas again. Amen. I want to pray and I'm going to ask the Lord to minister. I know I'm getting done a little bit early. I recognize that sound guys and um, we'll take a little bit extra break. We usually take 10 minutes. It's going to be a little bit longer today, but here's what I want us to do. If you're here today and you would like to know a little bit more, you would like to maybe experience this new birth, please come get me and talk to me. Amen. Please, please seek me out because I, I want to help you. Amen. I want to tell you the truth. I want to be able to show you what this is all about. Because I've experienced it. And it's the greatest gift ever. And whether or not I get anything this year for Christmas, you know what? (laughs) I've got the best gift because it's eternal life. And I never have to miss Christmas again. Amen. Let's pray together. Jesus, thank you that we don't have to miss Christmas. Thank you that we can be born again. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that we can receive your Holy Spirit and be born again, that we can be baptized in your name and our sins can be remitted and washed away, that, Lord, we can live a life of holiness unto you, anticipating your second coming so we don't miss that either. Lord, I pray that you would help us to be ready. I pray that you would help us, Lord, to meet you on that day when you return. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Again, like I said, we typically take a 10-minute break. Today's going to be about 20. Um, so you got plenty of time. There's coffee. I think still coffee in the lobby. There's not. Did they put it away? Okay, well, there's no coffee. So, um, but there's a water fountain. And, um, you know, and plenty of time to fellowship. And there's restrooms down the hall. But uh, don't go too far. A 20-minute intermission. We'll come back in here. And we're going to have... Our children. Again, please, if you are interested, please come get me, talk to me. And, and if there's too many of you, uh, some of you saints be helping me out here and, 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 and we'll, we'll talk to you as well about 
this beautiful experience, the gift of Christmas. God bless you.